Welcome to another F-Sharp podcast. Today, Adam and I talk about day trading, all the risks, and what you should be doing instead. We hope you find this episode helpful. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Hey, what's up, Adam? Glad to see that you're uh, inside and and warmed up. See, you still got your stocking cap on. How's that snowstorm treating you? It's very, very nice. Oh, that's the opposite of what I expected. (laughs) No, it's a fluffy snow. It's about there's there's about twelve inches out there, um, and it's not going to stop snowing for six, seven more hours probably. So. Depending on the wind, we'll see how much we end up with. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of fun blowing the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Your definition of fun and mine are different. But uh, is it cold? I mean, I know you guys just went through that. Well, it seemed like quite a long stretch of some cold weather, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I think last two weeks ago, we had... um, the coldest that I've ever felt or seen. Um, real feel. I don't know if you account that, but I think it was minus 48 real feel. Oh, I, I would die. I would die. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was real. <laughs> I, I think the actual temperature was like minus 17 or 18, but with the wind, um, yeah, it was cold. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine that anymore. I mean, you know, obviously you know this, but for, you know, our listeners, like, I grew up in South Dakota, and since moving to Arizona, it just, I am not used to that. And you know, Katie and I went back to Chicago like two December's ago, and it was like thirty-four degrees outside, so not warm, but not terrible. And we thought we were going to die. So yeah. I, I just, I do not have that cold mentality. I, I am a, a big pansy when it comes to that. And it's just minus 48. There is no way I would go outside. I, I I, I, nobody was. I wasn't going outside. It was two things on that. One, it was freeze your nose hairs cold. That's what I call it. <laughs> um, once it dips around... You can tell if you live in the Midwest <laughs> or in Minnesota, right around once you get into the negative temperatures, negative five, you know, you're on your way from the car to work or office, um, when you're walking outside, if it freezes your nose hairs as you're walking in, it's it's negative temperatures. That one was, um, I would literally run from my car to the office 
because it was that cold and you'd still just yeah it was uh one of those why do i live here moments yeah yeah um, i'd call in sick <laughs> i would have just not gone to work but based off what you guys said because the blood thinning is a real thing um i always think the first couple of days in like november or december that are that get down to like single digits are always are always feel colder than um you know a, a january or february 10 or 5 degrees just well, you, by that sure. time you get used to it right um when well, like spring so. with that in the midwest you know it gets up to 40s and we were all yeah, wearing shorts. t-shirts and shorts but you'd be insane to wear that in arizona at any point in time in the 40s so yeah i mean i think you're right it's just what you're used to yeah it's not cold it's just snowing i mean that's good at least but cars stuck on the road and everything yeah well well we'll give you a reprieve here to re- do a podcast instead so that you don't <laughs> have to go go scoop snow <laughs> you just put on a podcast that's what i do when i blow snow so it's fun perfect but uh all right well let's uh let's get into today's topic yeah episode 11 of the <clears throat> f-sharp podcast this episode will feature uh, and focus on the topic of day trading and uh, why Tanner, um, our financial expert, doesn't believe that day trading should be your focus. Um, Tanner, why do you have that stance? Uh, well, there's there's quite a few reasons on it, but I think we should start with, um, you know, just kind of acknowledging where we are, you know, why we wanted to have this podcast, you know, be today. And we're not exactly, but we're as close as we can be for when our podcasts go out to, you know, about one year ago um, when a lot of day trading went on. I'm sure most people are aware of, you know, GameStop and AMC are the two main stocks last year um, that there was a ton of day trading going on, a ton of short selling, ton of short squeezes. Um, you know, we'll get into some more on, on kind of what that was, uh, you know, later on in the podcast. Um, but you know, just want to, you know, throw that out there. This is why we're, we're going over this one now. It may seem a little bit out of, out of sync with the other podcasts in kind of order. Um, but really, uh, you know, day trading as a whole, uh, let's kind of just define what that is. I think that's a good starting point. What day trading is, is trading it, you know, every day or multiple times a day or i mean even if it's you know a couple days but it, it it's something where you know you're going in with a, a trade execution of either buying or selling something and making the the corresponding sell or buy you know the opposite of what you did to start in a matter of a short period of time you're not making a trade you're not buying something to hold it. You don't want to be an owner of it. You're just trying to take advantage of short-term swings. Um, so that that's basically you know what day trading is on its face. Now, there's a multitude of reasons that I don't think this is something that most people should uh, partake in. Um, you know, and, and really the, the first one is that it, it's, it's really aggressive. It's really risky. Um, you know, investing in itself has enough inherent risks embedded into it. I'm not sure why people would want to add more. You know, why, why would we want to add even more risk 
on something that is already, you know, ha- has enough of uh, risk built into it. Um, you know, by trying to purchase a stock in large quantities and sell it five, 10 minutes later, a day later, three days later, doesn't matter for, you know, a few pennies higher or 50 cents higher or whatever it is, you know, the stocks don't move fast enough. And in that amount of time, most of the time for you to have really huge swings where you can make tons of money. I mean, the whole goal of everyone investing is so we can make money, right? And so you have to, to do this, you have to put out tons and tons of capital. I mean, you need to be placing massive trades so that when, you know, stock ABC that you bought goes up one or 2% in that day that you hoped it would, you can sell it and you actually make a decent, you know, profit because one or 2% isn't all that much um, on a percentage basis. So you really have to throw a lot of capital out there or else you're going to not really see a ton of returns. I mean, you do that with a hundred bucks, you know, and you make two, two percent, like whoop de doo you made two bucks, like, and you <laughs> wasted all that time. Right. So, so that's really where the first kind of issue with it comes is, is it becomes really aggressive, really risky, because again, you have to put out a bunch of capital and you're, you're in essence hoping that a stock goes whichever way you're wanting. I mean, if you're buying into it, you're hoping the stock goes up and you can sell it in the short term. But, you know, I think day trading was easier in, in the past before we had a lot of technology. I mean, you, you can't, an article cannot come out and say this great thing about company ABC and you have time to read it and then go execute a day trade to try to take advantage of that new information. It is not possible. Technology and computers do it a thousand times faster than us as humans. So you're never going to be... In the se- easier what? in the sense of the person day trading, correct? No, no, that makes it harder e- to day trade. Easier to make... So when you said easier, what, what, what context? I, I'm saying it's easier, or I think day trading would have been easier in the past. When we did for have, a, okay yeah, uh, yeah yes for a day yeah. trader would have been easier yeah. for a day trader in the past when they weren't competing against computers it really was who had the most information could disseminate you know and read through it the fastest process it and make a trade and then sure. hope that a bunch of other people read it after you did and then they buy the same thing where now you can't beat a computer in terms of speed of processing things it just you cannot do it so it's not going to happen so that makes it more difficult and I mean certain holders with certain um, platforms can have triggers correct set up triggers so if this certain stock reaches a certain price let's sell it i, I believe that's a thing yeah so that's even another yeah, layer that that you can't really compute for or Cor- can but which makes it harder correct um, yeah yeah those those are going to be you know like stop loss orders or limit orders or you know purchase order you can put those in ahead of time and say if if abc stock gets to this price sell it and it's just automatically there and if that gets triggered your your order now goes into the queue to get processed and so yeah that's another aspect that increases the risk you don't know how much of that's out there you can get some of the information that you know they have approximates on how many people have shorted the stock and percentages and these you know things like that but really what you know day traders the people that are successful at day trading are 
probably, I mean, I feel like most of them are going to be people who are like influencers or they're, they're people that have importance and they can go out there and say, hey, I think Apple is a really, really great buy and they've already bought it. And now they're telling all of their followers, Apple's a really great buy. And then their followers go out there, buy it up, and then they can sell. That is really, in my mind, the only way that day trading can be, you know, profitable for a person in in the long run unless it is unless you are extremely intelligent you only do day trading as your entire job and you have a huge tech suite full of tech programs that help you execute things because you need all of that to be able to to day trade successfully in today's day and age so unless that is you you know, so if you're if you have a job that is not a hundred percent day trading, don't do it. Just don't do it. All you're doing is just creating more risk for yourself. And and I know there's people out there all over social media that show you their alleged statements because hmm. we don't know because they black out obviously their personal information. So who knows whose statement that actually is? But let's assume that it is their actual statements. They're, they're, you know, they're showing you that they've been successful. Okay, that's great. There's always a group of people that are successful in anything. But that doesn't mean, you know, and again, they're the people that do this for a living. They do it every single day. Like, they should be the ones that are going to be successful if someone is going to be successful in day trading. That doesn't mean, you know, let, let's use an analogy. Tom Brady can show me all of his stats about football and tell me how to throw a football and stand in the pocket and read defenses. Now, I'm a financial advisor, and if I only go practicing playing a football every, you know, once a week, and I play Madden on Xbox, I don't think that I'm going to perform like Tom Brady. Isn't that a reasonable expectation? <laughs> you know, like, so we can't expect to do things that professional day traders do if you also aren't putting in that exact same amount of time. However, those people try to teach everyone how to day trade via social media because that makes them even more money because of all the followers that they have and they make it seem like it's easy and it's not it really is not and i would almost say it's impossible it is almost impossible for an average person so all of our you know listeners are most likely just average people it is almost impossible for you to be successful in day trading because you you just don't have the time you don't have the time and you don't have the expertise to do that. And so what I would implore people to do is buy and hold. Because if we, you know, as I've acknowledged, there are some successful day traders out there that are worth, you know, millions, maybe tens of millions. I don't know. But if we look at the most successful investor in history, that's Warren Buffett. And guess what he does? He does not day trade. He <laughs> buys things and he holds them. And if you actually look at the wealthiest people in this country, which again, as I stated at the beginning, the reason people invest is to make money, is to build wealth. Our goal isn't to make more work for ourselves and you know stay in the same spot. Our goal is to put in some work and, and build wealth. So we should try to emulate the wealthy people. And wealthy people buy things and own them. They buy assets. They buy stocks in companies that are good companies and they hold on to them. They don't day trade. 
again, there is a small group of people who have been successful day trading, but their wealth is nowhere near Warren Buffett. Nowhere near that. And so if you want to follow a wealthy person, I would follow, because that's, I mean, I'm biased. That's how I model my business around. And that's what I do for my clients is the Warren Buffett method. But it's, we want to be owners in things. And we want to let time appreciate and let time help us and build that wealth rather than doing a bunch of work and hoping that we generate the same thing. Because history has shown us that if you buy good companies and you hold on to them, you're going to make money. So I don't know if you want to go backwards at all, but... Absolutely. <laughs> um. We listed some cons of day trading, but what's why, why does that, that seem to be so popular? Is it because you can sit at home theoretically and not, you know, have infrastructure, you know, take all your capital and just, as it says in its name, day trade? Why why do so many people want to do it? I I it's coming from someone that has no interest in it that acknowledges that I don't know anything. I'm not. Um, knows enough to know what I don't know. Um, but why do people feel like it's a, it, it's essentially gambling, but my first Bingo. question is why the attraction? And then a follow-up question would be what are, um, what are some of the factors that you spoke about the expertise? What are, how do you analyze all that information, the suite of everything to guess what a, a, <laughs> st a price will, a stock price will do. Sure. I, I don't know if the second question is important to focus on given the nature of this episode, but um, why do people want to do? Yeah. Is it freedom? Well, we'll, we'll try Gambling, to hit both. Fun? Well, yeah, I, I would say you answered your own question. And Yay. yeah, it's, it's it's a gambling aspect of it you know it's not like you know it, it is similar it has a feel like gambling um you know it it's it's likely depending upon what people are day trading and it's likely a little bit safer than gambling because gambling is kind of an all or nothing most of the time whereas a stock is oh i might have guessed wrong on that i only lost 10%, you know, you get something back, but it has that feeling of gambling. And why is gambling? Why do people gamble? Because it's fun and it's addicting, wow. right? And it's it, it gets your, uh, your serotonin levels high. I mean, they've done all these studies about it. That's why people do it. If you actually talk to someone and said, hey, if I give you odds of you're going to win 30% of the time and I'm going to win 70% of the time, would anyone take those odds? No, but until they get into a casino and there's all the lights and there's all the fun and there's all this, you know, jumping around and excitement and like it, it brings out a different side of people or a different thought process. And that is what day trading is. Like, again, the best day traders take that out. They are as logical as you can be but the problem is is again like i said on social media they tell people that it's easy oh look how much money i made oh look at all of this great like you're a professional doing this you shouldn't tell everyone that it's easy to do it like you do this all day long every day of the week it's not easy for you know 
John Doe, who works an eight-hour job, to come home and try to do the same things you do because, first off, the markets aren't open at night. And so they're trying to do it at work over lunch hours. So they have a one-hour period of trying to day trade. They don't have the information. Like, you're trying to day trade in one hour. Like, it just... It's, but that addiction is there. That excitement is there. You know, it's kind of like, you know, our last episode, cryptocurrency. There's a lot of excitement around crypto because people put, you know, the, the biggest one, if you would have put a hundred dollars into Shiba Inu last year, it'd be worth a million. Well, great. Glad someone did that. But that doesn't mean that everyone should now do it. Like you missed the boat, but it's this fear of missing out. So it's, it's a gambling aspect of it. Um, and, and, and it has made and some apps, you know, a la Robinhood, which everyone who listens to our podcast knows I don't like. Uh, the Robinhood app made it very much like gaming, like gambling um, with their app. Whereas, you know, the kind of old school TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Fidelis of the world, it was more like just buying and selling stocks. It wasn't as gamified. And the other big uptick in it is uh, was the pandemic. I mean, people were sitting at home. The government was sending everybody checks. And so everybody had, I shouldn't say everybody, but some people had more money and a lot of time on their hands. And they were just sitting at home and, hey, let's get on Robinhood and buy some stuff. And, you know, that happened to also be at a time where the market took a 30, 35% real fast hit in when coronavirus came out in uh 2020 in march of 2020 end of february early march and then it came back very quickly so when all these people started doing day trading they were making money and then they think that they're geniuses because they made money except the problem is they won't recognize that everyone made money people that bought and hold made money and actually probably made more money because they bought in at the same time you did or not you, but that a day trader did, and a day trader got out at up 10 or 20% because they made their profit. Well, the people that bought and hold, they might be up 100%. They might be up 50%. Who knows? Because they it continued to go up. And so that, I mean, it's kind of a perfect, perfect storm of terribleness, I'm going to say, in terms of, you know, Robinhood becoming very popular, money being handed out from the government to people, people being at home, being bored. So now they did have time to get the information and become a little bit more like a professional day trader because they could spend you know all day if they wanted doing it. And it really, you know, it kind of caused this addiction um, of people wanting to day trade and it's exciting and it's fun. And, you know, it's, it's not fun and exciting to talk about, oh yeah, I bought... Johnson and Johnson stock for my retirement <laughs> account three years ago. Like, you know, that's not exciting. What's exciting is, hey, I bought this new tech company and they're, you know, sending rockets into outer space and it went up 5% yesterday and I got out 5% in a day. Woohoo. Like, that's exciting. But I don't you know, also- man. Buying Tesla at 100 bucks five years ago sounds pretty exciting. Well, fair but that's why i didn't use tesla as an example i use johnson and johnson you know a, a blue chip company that's a great company it just it's you know it's blue chip it's not gonna it's not gonna have the astronomical growth that that some of these other companies have had and so that's i think why it's become so exciting to day trade 
um, it, you know, a combination of all those things. And because it became fun and then everyone had this fear of missing out, you know, again, a la a lot of cryptocurrency, you know, you see surges, it starts going up and people start saying, look how much money I made in crypto. And then everyone starts saying, oh, I want to make that in crypto. So they put money in crypto and then it goes up. Um, so that I think it would answer your first question. I have to remember it. The second one was about, what was the second one? Just the factors that you that go into being able to analyze a stock and formulating that expertise to where you are <laughs> equipped to actually be successful. I know that's not the, the yeah. spirit of this episode. Well, so that's fine. Well, I'll, I'll hit some of the basics, and it's this, this isn't going to encompass everything. But um, well, first off, you're going to have to be able to read financial uh, you know sheets from companies and you're going to have to be able to differentiate that and then you have to you know look at uh income and expenses and do, and their debt is it good debt is it bad debt um do you think that what are your you know you know, can look into what the company thinks their projections are going to be over the next quarter or the next year but you need to make your analysis on that because everyone in the stock market is making their analysis off of just the basics so if you're going to buy something you think that they're going to do better than what they have put out there. And then you need to know what the price to earnings multiple is. And then you need to know what a good price is that you want to get in and where you would want to get out. And, and then you need to know what the trends are. And you need to know what's going on in social media and Reddit. And I mean, is that enough? I mean, it just go list goes on and on and on. Um, so stockholder meetings. Yeah, everything. I mean, literally everything. And then you have to be on top of the news over that company because if some bad news comes out, then stock markets can get hit almost instantaneously on that stock because that's what computers do. So you need to, you know, it's like I said, it's a lot. There are people that are that that do fine at it. But for most people, it's just we don't have enough time in a day to be able to do this. So, again, rather than sit there and try to beat your head against the wall trying to do this, I'm trying to tell everyone, hey, why don't you just buy good companies and hold on to it? Because that's probably going to make you more money in the end. And it's a heck of a lot easier. Do you think the accessibility to day trading through you know computer computers and internet all that stuff do you think that has um weaponized people's ambition to try to become day traders or the you know the youth to um the next generation coming in and, and being able to download an app and having all these tools accessible thinking before knowing do you think that that has, I don't know if this is um, a, the reason why we're doing this episode is the, um, do you think day trading, day trading is emerging as a, a want or people um, pursuing that more now, or are we just um, covering this as just a, a, a do this instead of that type of thing? Um, I think that's a really good question. Yeah, I think uh, obviously day trading is up now. Um, how that will play out over the next three to five years, I don't know. I hope numbers come back down and that more people are going back to the you know the tried and true method of of buy and hold. Um, so I don't know how that will play out in the future. I know it, it's going to be harder. You know, I mean, and and and. And I guess I'll answer your first question. Yeah, this is why we're having this podcast. Is I mean, numbers are up. You know, it's one year removed from kind of when the start of a lot of this happened with, uh, or at least a huge surge in it with, um, you know, the the 
GameStop and, and AMC and everyone can kind of remember that moment or, or at least have heard about those. Um, you know, and, and, and I think it's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be a lot harder for people to not feel the pull towards day trading because there's all this stuff out there. You know, again, Robinhood, they make it so easy and they turn it into almost a game and, oh, it's free, free trading. No, it's not. Robinhood made $180 million in a quarter off of transactions. They don't work for free. That doesn't sound like it's free to me. So they just don't have commissions up front. You know, they are, they're taking a spread off of you on the backside, but they're still getting paid. And actually their spreads are about twice as high as most other companies. So they're actually not even the cheapest. Um, you know, but like their app, they made it fun and interact. You know, I don't want to say interactive because I've never been on their app. I've just read about what it does for people. It's clean. Right. And it's easy to use and it, and it, and it makes it, you know, one of the first ones that came out, I mean, there was some kid that got a, a margin account. And for people who don't know that, what that is, is that allows you the ability to basically buy that you don't have, like take a loan out on your balance that you don't have. And he was able to take like some crazy margin out, you know, and, and the, the balance wasn't there. And, and another kid was allowed to do options trading I'm a financial advisor and I do very few options because they are very complex. And I had to take a very hard test to pass to be able to do options. So why in the heck is Robinhood allowing people with absolutely zero understanding of options to trade options? And this guy did a and a, you know, did a uncovered, you know, option trade. And so he was down like something crazy, you know, $100,000 or something. Okay, well, what 21-year-old's what got hundred k sitting around to make up for that? They don't. And, the, you know, it's there needs to be some regulation in on some of this. Like, if I have to take a test to do this, other people shouldn't just be able to walk in and do that. You know, like, a doctor right. takes tests to, you know, fix my broken arm. I can't just walk around and some guy on the sidewalk's got a broken arm. I can't just be like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, I read WebMD once, so let me fix your arm. You know, like, no, that's not how this works. And so I think it's going to be really hard because there's going to be that, you know, with Robinhood and other apps out there that make it so easy to do and, and give you access to this with, you know, give people access to this with no, you know, credentials or no, you know, looking or making sure that they understand what they're doing. They just let you do whatever you want. And and then the other aspect of it is is, you know, with GameStop and and AMC last year, you know, that was Reddit. I mean, that's a uh I guess what would what would you call I'm kind of blanking out. What would you call Reddit? Just like a It's a social media. Yeah, I mean yeah. Social media like everyone can kind of just it's a chat peer on influence. there. Yeah. 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 It's a peer to peer um social network. Yeah. And so that phenomenon of people buying into two absolutely terrible companies was driven by a bunch of people on Reddit saying, hey, let's all buy into this. And then it changed to a movement of, and this is another one, for anyone that doesn't understand this, it's a show, what they did last year, and they were successful in it, so kudos, but it was a, <laughs> it was a short squeeze. And so what that means is that there was a bunch of people or institutions or whatever, there's a bunch of positions that had shorted GameStop. And basically what that means is they've sold it. They said, you know, 
I'm going to make up numbers. GameStop is at $15 and it does not deserve to be there. The company is not making money. It doesn't have any earnings or very few earnings. You know, it has a lot of debt. Whatever the reasons are, they think that it's not worth $15 per share and then instead it should be something lower. So they sold. And then what they would do when you short something is, is at a later time you have to buy that back. And your goal is that you buy it back at a lower price and that's your gain. It's kind of I mean, not kind of, it's the reverse of a normal transaction. Instead of buying low and selling high, you're just doing it backwards. You're selling high and hoping to buy low. So what Reddit did and the people on Reddit was they implemented a short squeeze and they got enough people to go in and buy GameStop, which drove the price up, which then all of a sudden starts hitting these. And most of it was hedge funds and institutional money and they have margin calls and so they now had to start buying it they were being forced to buy it back at higher prices so they were losing money and the whole reason behind this was let's hit the rich people except mm -hmm. the problem is most hedge funds and most institutional money is in people's retirement accounts it's you know it's someone's 401k it's some teacher's pension account so you you know I can't say whether Bill Gates had any money in that or name your other famous person that people seem to hate. I don't know if they had money in GameStop. Probably not, because why would you put money in GameStop? It was a terrible company. <laughs> but maybe they did. So maybe you hurt a Bill Gates or someone like that of the world. But most of the people that you actually hurt were normal average Joes in their retirement accounts because their retirement accounts were managed by that institutional money or were managed by that hedge fund or whatever. And so this whole movement of, oh, we're screwing over rich people was a complete sham. And I don't know if they didn't know that. I don't know if it was just a good way to drum up support. I don't really know, but it's absolutely inaccurate. Um, I would say that most rich people didn't get hurt at all. And instead it was just common folk like they were trying to, you know, like the people who were trying to drive it up. So, um, you know, with, I know that's kind of down a rabbit hole, but I wanted to explain how those two things happened last year with the short squeeze. And AMC was the same thing, and there are a few other stocks that that same thing happened on. And, you know, with the Robin Hoods of the world making it so easy to be able to do this, with um, Reddits of the world spreading information that, again, that was information. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and, mm -hmm. and say that it wasn't it was fake information it was it was or i don't want to say fake i hate saying fake information that sounds political um it, it was <laughs> inaccurate news. yeah exactly i don't want to use that term but it was just <laughs> it was inaccurate now not saying it was intentional not saying it wasn't un yeah, yeah, not saying it was intentional or unintentional it's just it was inaccurate and so the basis of that whole movement really should have crumbled and it has i mean gamestop's come way down amc's come way down you know there isn't the support for them because people are finally like yeah these companies don't make any money um still pretty high though it is it it is ironically high and and that's because the companies actually did make a couple of smart moves you know in issuing some stock and at higher rates so that they have more cash but anyways we don't need to get down into that rabbit hole um so i think that the the you know getting back is, is with Robin Hood's of the world making this so easy to do and with social media turning everyone into an expert and it being able to get information out to massive amounts of people, um, particularly if you're an insider, um, 
or, or not an insider. Uh, what's the word? Social influencer. Thank you. Did, if you're an influencer, didn't, didn't well, provide anything. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're an influencer and you have a lot of people that follow you, like it makes it easy for you to be able to kind of get this information out, whether it's accurate or not. And so I, I am concerned. I, I don't think day trading is the way that most people should be doing it. I hope that the numbers come down. That's why we're doing this podcast to try to get at least our listeners to hopefully rethink um, doing day trading if you are or stop you from doing it if you haven't. And, um, you know, really just focus on the, the buy and hold side of things. That was a long answer to your very short question. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Ah, it is. It is. It's the beauty of this form. Yeah, it is. But, you know, we're coming up to the end of this. Just a couple of other things I did want to chat about. Um, you know, if I haven't drilled this down enough of why day trading is bad, uh, a couple other things you can add on top of that uh, are taxes. Um, so if you buy something, if we buy Apple stock and if we hold it for more than a year, we get capital gains tax treatment, which is preferential. It's a lower tax bracket. But if you buy Apple and sell it before a year, a la most day traders, you're paying ordinary income tax. So you're giving up more of your gains because you're paying a higher tax bracket. And so when you do a lot of that, um, you know, the people that allegedly make millions of dollars a year day trading that means they're giving 40% of that to the government because if they're making a million dollars a year, they should be in the 40% tax bracket, 37, and depends what you're at for a state. But roughly 40% goes to the government. Whereas if you just bought and hold that exact same amount, and if you made a million dollars on your investments, you would pay at a most 20% taxes. So you're going to pay half the amount in taxes if you buy and hold, which again, adds to your total returns and would be a reason to do buy and hold. Um, so, and then there's some wash rules. You know, I know day traders say, well, any of my losses I can write off and whatnot. Yeah, but a lot of them don't understand the wash rules. And so if you sell something for a loss and turn around and buy it back within 30 days, you don't get to write off that sale anymore. And a lot of day traders will do that where they'll say, oh, I get to write this off, so I'll just sell it. And then they decide they want to buy it back. And in the 30 days hasn't gone by. So they just eliminated that um, that loss potential as a write-off from their taxes. So if everything else wasn't enough, add on top of it the taxes. And I, I hope that everyone listening will, will agree that day trading, it, you know, should not be something that, that they're doing. It just sounds like a paperwork nightmare. Yeah. Or does the platform track all of that? Um, it'll, yeah, oh. it, most of the the websites will track it all. I mean, because it'll show what you're, you know, what you bought it at, and then what you sold it at. So it's calculating your taxes as you go. Um, but again, which again is another reason why most people don't understand the taxes, which is why they fall into that wash rule trap, because they don't have to calculate them, so they don't know that hey, I don't get to write this off if I buy this back within thirty days. And so, um, but yeah, it's. It's just a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to increase the risk of not making as much money or losing money. And again, the whole goal of life is taking on as little risk as possible for the maximum amount of reward. So I don't, I don't understand why, why anyone would want to increase their risk, um, you know, really for just more work. 
um, and and no no real reason in my opinion unless like I said unless you have, are a professional day trader and you do it all day every day or want to gamble yeah exactly if you want to, well actually if you want to gamble just go to the casino it's a lot easier sure. <laughs> play cards that's right bigger odds there so anything else any- you want to add no, I think I rambled on long enough in this one, so I'll uh, let our let our viewers go <laughs> and uh, let them enjoy the rest of their day. Their day trading. <laughs> no, no, hopefully not their day trading. <laughs> hopefully just their day. All right, sometimes it's good to be boring and buy and hold. So we hope this episode has been helpful. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, Leave us a review. If you are listening on Spotify, they have introduced a new rating system, so please uh, give us a five-star. That helps us. Um, We're committed to continuously providing the most accurate and relevant content to you, our listener. So if you have any questions or suggestions for a future episode, shoot us an email at podcast at financiallysharp.com. Podcast at financiallysharp.com. Thanks, everybody. See you in the next episode. for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.